0: Two browsers are taking another step towards default de-googling. Your microphone may be listening, even when muted. Google is being forced to change their cookie banner and much more. Welcome to Surveillance Report 85, where we are dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news from the last week. This is a big week. We have a large number of stories and we also have an important PSA that we want to share. So uh, you can skip around with the timestamps, but the PSA we would prefer if you listen to, because again, kind of important there. I am Nathan from The New Oil. And I'm Henry from Techlore. This week, we want to, again, remind you that the best ways to support us are Patreon and Monero. And the last few weeks we've been harping on the Patreon. We want to get that started. But we also want to remind you guys that Monero is still a great option. Monero is basically digital cash. Monero is as close to digital anonymity as you can get. And you should definitely be looking into that if you're into cryptocurrency at all. And we do accept Monero as donations. But like I said, if you're not a cryptocurrency fan, we do still have Patreon, which one of the perks is a Q&A and we will be answering some of those questions at the end of this episode. So be sure to stick around for that.
1: And now I'm gonna come in with the PSA. So last week we released the story um, on Surveillance Sport 84 regarding DuckDuckGo as the highlight story. It was a normal week, but that was the highlight story. And we really wanna outline some things because some of you were pretty angry about the comments. So let's talk about this. So first we wanna outline that our goal is to offer you weekly news and that's it. We don't want to inject how we feel about each service and swing people towards our personal preferences. That's just not our goal. We want you to have news. It's called the Surveillance Report and not the Sensational Surveillance Podcast. Um, This is also why when we cover Facebook and Google and all of these extreme companies that we don't really like, we still do our best to strictly cover the story and move on, even for these companies that we don't like. So we still hold our tongue on pretty much every story for the sake of trying to be as neutral as possible. Occasionally we'll add this personal commentary, sometimes we'll talk about stories and how it impacts us, or we might tie it to something else to kind of tell a broader story if we find it relevant. But even then, we try to be neutral with stories, and we actually cut a lot of the discussions and commentary out before we publish these. So we have a lot more commentary during the recordings, but they don't make it to the final thing. Now, we're not perfect, I'm not saying we're perfectly neutral, but we're just saying that's our goal and we feel that we're trying to stick to it very well. Finally, um, this doesn't necessarily represent our individual channels. Nathan has the new oil and I have tech lore, and sometimes we do actually talk about our personal takes on things, but here on Surveillance Support on this channel, we try to be neutral. So just to recap, last week, our report on DuckDuckGo was very neutrally covered about their new browser on Mac OS, and a good vocal number of you were angry at us for not resurfacing their censorship story from literally over a month ago. We wanted to break down a few things. First. Again, we want to cover this neutrally. We told people what we know, then we added the commentary that we currently just can't figure out what threat models or use case that browser attempts to target itself towards. So we didn't even recommend the browser, we didn't hate on it, we just covered the story. Second, we covered the DuckDuckGo censorship story last month. When it happened, you should go watch it. We covered it as neutrally as possible, and it was actually the highlight story that week. Some of you think we're just ignoring it. And again, it was the highlight story. So you just go back and watch that report if you want that story, which leads me to the next point. DuckDuckGo's results have very little to do with their new browser. Some people may want to use this browser for the features given to them by DuckDuckGo. And it's possible, we're not sure yet, that this browser, like every other browser, may actually let you change the search engine if you're upset about their search results. The people asking us to inject the censorship story into this are asking us to add bias to the story, which is not what we're trying to do. We rarely bring up past incidents for even big tech companies like Facebook and Google on the podcast, unless it's relevant to the story. Fourth, um, we did want to actually formally quickly recover the facts about DuckDuckGo because lots of the comments last week seemed to be getting news from God knows where. So first, DuckDuckGo did announce they're handling some Russian sites differently. We recommend watching our report from last month regarding that story so you can see exactly what's going on there. Second, DuckDuckGo has a new story about hiding torrenting sites that happened after we recorded last week's report. So we'll be covering that story later today. So definitely tune in for that. Good reminder that we normally record SRs on Fridays or Saturdays before they go live. Third, there have been no updates to anything positive or negative about DuckDuckGo's privacy or security practices in the last several months. Some people were leaving comments that they seem under the impression it's no longer a private service, which is simply not true and not based on any data or evidence, or at least it's no less true than it was a couple months ago. There just have been no changes in this realm. Finally, DuckDuckGo, whether you like it or not, is one of the largest companies in the privacy world, and you should get used to them being on a podcast focused on privacy and security without getting triggered. If you don't like them, we cover services that we don't like too, but that's just news for you. So I don't know why you're watching this if you're here for news. Um, This is kind of a side note and it's kind of a personal thing, so feel free to get mad at me, but I think it's worth mentioning the reason many people are upset with DuckDuckGo is in their view, um, they're not sticking to neutral results anymore and taking the freedom of the user um, away to make their own decisions, yet you're the same people who are mad at us for not injecting a certain worldview onto you in our news. Um, You just can't have your cake and eat it too, so our goal is to be neutral and this puts us in the boat of people constantly getting angry at us for not picking the side that they think is the correct side and just confirming their confirmation bias, which we almost never do because, again, our goal is neutrality. So just to recap, I know this has been a massive PSA, but we're here for neutral news, and it's too bad. And if you want us to cover stories with the angle you wish we would, it's just not going to happen. If this is a problem for you, we have no issue telling you to just stop listening to the surveillance report. But for those of you who just want news and the ability to think for yourself in a safe place, this is that safe place, and we really want you to stay around. So that's my PSA. I did have
0: one quick thing pop into my head that I want to add on to that. And that's uh, like you said, we do sometimes inject our own opinions, but I I know I try really hard to blatantly say this is my opinion. You know, I don't try to present it as news. I, I try to make a point when it's like, okay, now I'm leaving the facts and going into my opinion territory.
1: And you know what? We can maybe do better, but like, I I, I agree. I think we do a pretty darn good job of like outlining, okay, this is what we think about it. Doesn't mean it's what you have to think about it. We don't really care what you think. Our goal is to try to make you think what you want to think.
0: All right, with that, we're going to jump into our highlight story, which involves DuckDuckGo. But it's not only about DuckDuckGo, it's actually about Brave and DuckDuckGo, both of whom have announced this week that they are going to be removing AMP from their browsers and extension in DuckDuckGo's case. So for those who don't know, AMP is basically Google's indexing service. That's kind of an oversimplification, but generally speaking, it's an indexing service where Google goes around and they cache a website and they optimize it for mobile. And that way, when you use Google search and you get that result, it loads faster. This is however, a privacy invasion because it involves Google. You're pinging something off Google servers and Google, you know, usually will use any excuse they can get to go ahead and collect data, including loading an AMP page. This is also considered a form of centralizing the web, which, you know, I think we can all agree is bad. That's We've seen multiple instances last year particularly of vast portions of the internet going down because they were all dependent on a single service. Brave and DuckDuckGo both announced that they are adding features to their browsers, and again, extension for DuckDuckGo, that will bypass AMP and instead take you straight to the original page, thereby preserving your privacy and ruining Google's monopoly. Brave gave a lot more technical details about this because they did an actual blog post, whereas DuckDuckGo just made a couple of tweets. Either way, I would imagine it's not terribly hard. I've noticed most of the time when I run into an AMP page, it actually says AMP somewhere in the URL. So usually I can just delete that part and the link is restored. But it is really good to see this rolling out. Henry added in the notes here, you can do this with certain extensions and other third party workarounds, but we typically discourage people from using too many extensions for the sake of fingerprinting and the fact that this is on by default for all users so they don't even have to think about it they don't even have to know what amp is and it's probably not going to affect their experience at all like sure things might load slightly lower or slower excuse me but i mean the internet nowadays is so fast that even slightly slower is still pretty fast so overall this should be a win for everybody and our only question now is where you at firefox (laughs) Like, now it's on you, step up your game, Brave is leaving you in the dust, DuckDuckGo is getting there now that they got their browser, like, come on, don't get left behind, here's your chance to to catch up. That'll take us to our data breach section, where we don't have any this week. That might be my fault, I actually made some changes to my RSS reader and uh, dropped a particular feed. I didn't hear about any data breaches this week, I'm sure there were some, because, you know, the internet was up all week, and that's just kind of how it works, but... Nothing came across our desks, so no data breaches this week. I think that's the second time ever since I've started podcasting that there were no data breaches. And now we're gonna migrate over to companies and Google has decided to
1: update their cookie consent banner in Europe following a fine. So this new cookie banner is identical to the old one, except they've added a button which says deny all. So it's a little bit easier. This is starting in France and will eventually roll out to all of Europe. It's a great start and we hope to see this in the US and it's a good reminder that cracking down on these things in local areas typically tends to um, make those things happen globally. So it's really important that we start cracking down on these things.
0: And also just the fact that laws do sometimes work. Like, obviously this doesn't fix Google, but I mean, now there's an easy deny all button. Like, how cool is that? Our next story is from Apple, where Apple's app tracking transparency crackdown is estimated to cost Facebook another $13 billion this year. This comes from a new report by a company called uh, Latome, Latame, I don't know, I don't know how to pronounce that, I'm sorry. And they said it could cost Facebook $12.8 billion, could cost YouTube $2 billion, could cost Snap 400, excuse me, $546 million and Twitter $323 million. Should be noted, this is less than 10% of each company's uh, mobile revenue from iOS, but it's, I think it's pretty close. I think it was around 9% for each company. Real quick recap for those who don't know, app tracking transparency, Apple rolled this out last year. Basically, it forces apps to ask you, can we track you? And to the surprise of probably no one, most people have said no. Like, I think the number was somewhere in like 83% or something like that. To be fair, this is giving us a little bit of conflicting data on how effective app tracking transparency actually is. In fact, we have another article that came out this week. The title is, Your iOS app may still be covertly tracking you despite what Apple says. And the article is all about how companies are finding loopholes to get around this. So there is still a lot of um, debate over how effective ATT actually is. I think based on this debate, my guess would be It's probably doing something, but it's probably not quite as effective as Apple made it out to be. That's my assessment as
1: well. It's like somewhere in the middle.
0: Yeah, that seems to be the case, which is good. I mean, it's still an improvement and hopefully Apple will continue to improve. Unfortunately, on the topic of Apple, we now get to a story that says Apple to roll out child safety feature that scans messages for nudity to UK iPhones. This has already been rolled out in the US if I remember correctly. Now, this is an important note. This is not the iCloud scanning thing that we talked about last year. There was this thing last year where Apple said, anything you upload to the cloud will be automatically scanned specifically for child sexual abuse material. And uh, there was a real big backlash about privacy and a whole bunch of people rushed to show that that can be easily fooled and tricked and cause false positives. So Apple was kind of like, all right, we're gonna pause that one. This is something totally different. This one only scans messages. It only does so if your device is marked as a child account and only if you opt in and it is on device only i don't have any complaints with that honestly it's just a feature it's an opt-in feature okay let me get to that in a second (laughs) so uh so yeah so this is not sending anything back to apple it is opt-in like henry said and um i think it does have a couple other like if you search certain terms in safari but again it's all on device it's all opt-in so my my concern here is i think this is this could be apple like acclimating us and getting us ready to roll back out all the other stuff that they put pause on. Which, granted, that's kind of a little bit of speculation. We don't know for sure that the, well, I mean, they did say they were going to pause that. They didn't say they were going to stop it entirely. But, I don't know. To me, it just feels very much like Shoshana Zuboff talks about that in her book about surveillance capitalism where like, whenever they get pushback, they never actually stop. They just kind of pull back and like, okay, let's try a different route. And that's kind of my only concern is, like, I agree with you. If, if this is where it stopped, like, okay, fine. It's opt in. It stays on device, whatever. But I worry that this is just like dipping the toes in the water to like see it's not so bad. What else can we do? And yeah.
1: No, I, I do agree with you. I didn't think about that, and that's a really good point. And now um we'll just go along with the, my question. Was intentionally done to prompt you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> yes, I meant to do that all along. Up next, Brave in Brave Search has added discussions to enrich its search results. I actually stumbled on this accidentally, and it, I just saw the tweet like a. Uh, like 10 minutes later. So Brave has not included search results from forums like Reddit or Stack Exchange, but with this new update, Brave search now includes these results under a section clearly marked uh, under discussions. Uh, It sounds like both of us like it. Sometimes we want forum results and sometimes we don't, and this gives us the flexibility, so it's cool. Up next, another DuckDuckGo story. DuckDuckGo insists it didn't purge piracy sites from search results. So last week DuckDuckGo apparently removed search results from torrent sites like the Pirate Bay, F-movies, and even YouTube DL. YouTube DL is like an open source tool that you can use to download YouTube videos and some other cool things. They blamed this on Bing because again, DuckDuckGo is a meta search engine and they pretty much just get Bing results and noted that you can still find the sites by searching for them by name or URL, which Nate also said, well, if you know the URL, why are you using a search engine in the first place? They also cited this is um, an issue with the site operator function where you can search a site's content by typing site site, search term example, site, thepiratebay.org, Spider-Man. So you can just immediately search thepiratebay.org pirate Spider-Man all within DuckDuckGo. Really, I think what people really misunderstand about DuckDuckGo is DuckDuckGo is very carefully crafting like what they can blame Bing on and what they want to take ownership of. At the end of the day, DuckDuckGo is completely reliant on Bing results as of today. And that's like one of my personal biggest issues at DuckDuckGo. Again, this is my personal issue with them. And this is one of the stories that demonstrates why this is a problem. If Bing decides to emit something, DuckDuckGo is kind of going to be on their whim as well. And we've actually had several stories come out the last year that demonstrate this problem. So um, I think that's something you have to be aware of when you're using meta search engines in general. Our final story involves a few VPNs. And we're going to keep this quick. So, Surfshark Turbo VPN, Viper VPN, and something called Atlas VPN, I haven't heard of these except Viper and Surfshark, are installing risky root certificates. So, um, there was some research done by a firm called App Esteem that found the providers are installing a trusted root certificate authority or a CA cert on users' devices, and some providers are failing to obtain users' consent for doing so. Surfshark has fixed the problem, and Atlas VPN has not fixed it as they don't think it's a likely issue to impact users as long as they safeguard their own keys. Um, but the main issue here actually seems to revolve around the IK EV2 protocol. And so I think Surfshark might just be fixing this by just dropping the protocol altogether and just using OpenVPN and WireGuard. So just a good reminder that a lot of these VPN companies, uh, you do have to trust them with your privacy and security. And it's probably good to stick with providers who are prioritizing that.
0: With that we will move into our research section we've got some interesting stories this week the first one the headline says you're muted or are you video conferencing apps may listen even when the mic is off so this comes from researchers Kasim fawaz and Yuchang yang and i probably screwed those up i'm sorry and they are well the first guy is an electrical and computer engineering associate professor and the other one is a grad student out of the university of wisconsin madison They investigated this after Fawaz's brother noticed that the mic on indicator was still on his device, even while he was muted during a video conference. So he kind of hit up his brother. He's like, hey, what's going on here? To quote the article, it turns out the vast majority in the vast majority of cases, when you mute yourself, these apps do not give up access to the microphone, and that's a problem. When you're muted, people don't expect these apps to collect data. They found that all of the apps they tested occasionally gather raw audio data while mute is activated, with one popular app gathering information and delivering data to its server at the same rate, regardless of whether the microphone is muted or not, unquote. The researchers were able to use machine learning to identify background noises, like cooking, typing, and cleaning. So yeah there's a lot of data that could be gathered by this or gathered from this by the companies in question and it's very very concerning i don't want to sound too paranoid i like to just assume that my mic is on all the time like i really like michael basil's recommendation to uh get like microphone blockers and things as a lot of you guys can probably see here i have a physical microphone connected to a usb interface i physically unplug that when we're done recording just in case Because my computer defaults to that as the microphone. So just beware. I guess that's what, what we should go with here. Just be aware that even when you hit the mute button, data may still be collected. Maybe the other person can't hear you, but the company might be able to. And that's unfortunately very deceptive and unsettling. Our next research story is a really quick one. It comes from the EFF. They called it mobile man in the middle, intercepting your Android app traffic on the go. So basically EFF, they wanted to uh, snoop on some Android apps and kind of figure out what they were doing and, and get more information about what kind of stuff they were sending home. And they decided we don't want to do this in a lab setting because there may be stuff that we miss. You know, There may be other stuff that happens throughout the day when you're walking around and we won't be able to see it. So they home cooked their own portable man in the middle machine so that they could see what Android apps actually do in the wild. And it's really cool. They walk you through step-by-step. As usual, a lot of it went over my head. I've never had a need to make anything like this, but it's really interesting to read about. And if you feel like you could find a purpose for something like this, like to audit your Android apps, then go ahead and check it out because it's really interesting research.
1: So I just realized that Nate got the negative research this week, and I got the positive research this week. So this week, researchers broke a world record for quantum encrypted communications. Researchers in Beijing have set a new quantum secure direct communication world record of 102.2 kilometers, smashing the previous mark of 18 kilometers. These transmission speeds were extremely slow at .54 bits per second, but it's still good enough for text message and phone call encryption over a distance of 30 kilometers. The work could eventually lead to hack-proof communication, which I don't like that term since anything can be hacked, but more more hack-proof communication as any eavesdropping attempt on a quantum line can be instantly detected. Nate wrote this note and I totally agree with it. A lot of times uh, we panic about quantum computing and worry that it's gonna completely demolish encryption and everything's gonna be done and the world's gonna end, um, but it's really important to remember that it also helps us create newer and better security as well. It's not just a one-way street. The world's not gonna end. We're probably gonna figure this out and everything's probably gonna be fine. Not to just make you super comfortable, but it's probably gonna be fine. And the second one, Nate covered about microphone spying. Well, we have a little fun story. So real-time voice concealment algorithm blocks microphone spying. So this is from Columbia University. It works predictively by inferring what you will say next, then creating the appropriate audio interference. For now, this only works with English and has an 80% success rate. The noise volume is low to minimize user disturbance, Um, and while this is cool and interesting, it also raises questions about the AI that's used and how that can be itself compromised as a form of surveillance possibly. Um, We don't know how to protect against that, if at all, and I think this is just a good reminder that most technologies we see on this podcast and just in the world in general can be used
0: for good and bad equally. All right, with that, we're gonna move into our politics section. And I'm just gonna let you guys know, I'm probably gonna get on a soapbox for a little bit in this first story. I, I felt myself getting heated while I was writing my notes. So the first story, the headline says, American phone tracking firm demoed surveillance powers by spying on CIA and NSA. I'm gonna quote the article. To prove that the technology worked, Clark pointed A6's powers inward, A6 is the firm, spying on the National Security Agency and CIA using their own cell phones against them. Now, this is the part where I wanna get on a soapbox real quick. If the government didn't like this and didn't want to use this power for itself, they would have thrown these people in prison faster than you can blink. They would have called this treason. They would have called this spying on the US government, but because it happens to serve their purposes, they were like, oh, wow, that's really cool. We wanna use this. The hypocrisy is just astounding. And the fact that they're just okay with this, like what happens when they decide that they can make more money by selling the same technology to our enemies? What happens when they turn around and go to China and be like, oh, yeah, we uh, we tracked the, the NSA and the CIA one time. So uh, anyways, OK, getting off my soapbox, I just that really got under my skin. The firm claims that it can track roughly three billion devices in real time, which is about a fifth of the world's population. This is a really long article, so I'm just picking out specific quotes here to kind of hit some major points. But you guys should really make time to read this because it's. Extremely worth the read. The next quote says companies like A6 are fueled by the ubiquity of SDKs. We've talked about these before, which are a turnkey package of code that software makers can slip in their apps to easily add functionality and quickly monetize their offerings with ads. So again, these are like third-party pieces of code where you just add it to your app, and you know now you've got ad revenue, or now you've got this capability like now you can use location services the the idea is you don't have to rebuild rebuild the wheel from the ground up it bootstraps your app which i totally get but it's a little bit dangerous when you're using these third-party sdks that you really have no control over not to get too far off topic but we've seen that in the past too where like malware has gotten into an sdk and then it filters out to like half a million android apps or something like that so They're dangerous. Anomaly 6 software lets its customers, this was interesting, lets its customers browse all of this data in a convenient and intuitive Google map style satellite view of earth. Users need only find a location of interest and draw a box around it. And A6 fills that boundary with dots denoting smartphones that pass through the area. Clicking a dot will provide you with lines representing the devices and its owners, movements around a neighborhood, city, or indeed the entire world. So they can literally just go to a visual map highlight a square and say, tell me every phone that's been in this area. And then when they click a phone, they then get a map of everywhere that phone has been. That's amazing. The article goes on to paint a hypothetical picture of how this could have been used when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, but totally blows over like how this can be used when a dictator wants to identify everyone who showed up to a protest. Like all you got to do is highlight the, the, you know, plaza where everybody went and click every button. It's just, oh man, it's, it doesn't, doesn't take us long to think about how bad this is. But yeah, uh, like I said, this is a really long article, but it is totally worth your time. Definitely give it a read. Don't read it at night. It's horrifying. That's all I have to say on that. Up next, web scraping is legal, US appeals court reaffirms. This is
1: unarguably good for most purposes, but does this also enable Clearview AI to continue doing what they're doing, which essentially Clearview AI takes people's public photos online and uses it to build their own database to
0: be able to track individuals. So. Um, Just something to think about. Our next story is also a quick one. It says the hack DHS bug hunters found 122 security vulnerabilities in the DHS system so far. This is an update to an old story we covered very briefly, but I wanted to share it because I wanted to point out that this kind of stuff is good and it's helpful and more companies should do it. You know, that's 122 security flaws that are now fixed in Homeland Security systems. And up next, Virginia police routinely use secret GPS pings to track people's
1: cell phones. So this article tells the story of how police tracked a man after his friend died of a heroin overdose because they thought he might be able to shed insight into where the friend got his heroin. The man was never labeled as a person of interest or charged with a crime, though they did get a warrant to track him. Um, Pretty much, I'm just going to quote the article here. Public records requests submitted to a sampling of 18 police departments around the state found officers used the technique to conduct more than 7000 days worth of surveillance in 2020. Court records show the tracking efforts spanned cases ranging from high profile murders to minor uh, minor issues. A state law that was passed with little notice in 2015 authorizes the surveillance as long as police first obtain a warrant from a judge, but in practice, the bar for judicial approval isn't high. So officers simply have to attest um, that they have a good probable cause and that the tracking data is relevant and they'll pretty much get the warrant. Warrants are limited to 30 days by default, but can and often are extended. So that's pretty much the main story, you should be aware of this happens, this isn't anything that's really super hidden, it happens a lot, and it was good that this article really summarizes that. But what I really want to harp on, I think I've already seen some people really run away with the story with their conspiracy hats on because they didn't quite understand how it's done. So I know some people are getting their conspiracy hats on and think that either A, there's some secret GPS chip on your phone, or B, they can ping your GPS even when it's off. And that is not what is happening, so please do not fearmonger and spread this around because it's only gonna scare the out of people. They are likely using cell tower triangulation pings that actually don't have anything to do with your device's GPS chip, uh, which is not what the name sounds like. So what happens here is your phone pings, because it's trying to find the the fastest tower when you're trying to connect to the internet and it's gonna ping different towers. And occasionally cell companies can actually take this data and use it to pretty much like perfectly target where you are location-wise with three different cell towers with a cell tower triangulation. That's typically how this is done. It didn't actually specify this in the article, but that's how almost all of these tend to be done. The only other possible technique they may be using is they might be purchasing GPS data from apps and companies who do collect this data, but that doesn't seem to be the case with this since it's confirmed they're working with mobile phone companies on this who do location tracking with cell tower triangulation. And as far as we know and all evidence and laws of physics and math tell us, cannot just activate your GPS chip on your phone without your knowledge. So just to clear that up, because I know I already saw some people mention that and that's just not true. I
0: agree with you totally because if his like if his phone had been off and they were still pinging it I guarantee you the article would have mentioned that because that would be incredible our next couple of stories are real quick um they're about Pegasus which is still around apparently even though I heard somebody say recently that apparently NSO group has been declared like they're no longer financially solvent or something like that so hopefully we'll see them die soon as a company Anyways, our first story, Catalan independence leaders were targeted by spyware, a rights group says. Citizen Lab identified more than 60 people linked to the Catalan uh, separatism movement that were targeted with the Pegasus malware. NSO denies this, but you know, of course they deny everything. And it's believed that the Spanish government was behind this attack and they declined to respond. The other story says, number 10 suspected of being target of NSO spyware attack. So number 10 is the, uh, I think it's kind of like the White House in the UK. I could be wrong, let me know if I'm wrong, but I know it's like an important federal government area. Unknown members of the British government were also targeted with Pegasus by the UAE. NSO does not vet their clients whatsoever. They claim they did, and they claim that Pegasus is only supposed to be used to fight terrorism. And I think no matter how anti-state we are, I think we can agree that Catalan and Boris Johnson are not the traditional definition of terrorists. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. With that, that'll take us into our free and open source software news, FOSS news. We're going to start off with ProtonMail, who now is available over Tor. So Proton has doubled down on their commitment to Tor, first off by becoming a Green Onion member, which means that they are donating anywhere between 10000 and just under $50,000 a year, 49999 more importantly they have made all of their services available over tor like mail calendar and drive you can access them all from the proton onion domain now here's the real exciting thing that we've all been waiting on sign up over tor no longer redirects to clearnet which is amazing however at the time of this uh this week i went out and tested this myself um captcha verification was disabled so you still needed to provide a recovery email address or an sms phone number. To register. Now, to their defense, I think they will accept voice over IP. Actually, maybe not. I'm not sure about that one. Don't hold me to that one. They might accept voice over IP. They may accept a forwarding email address. I know their donation verification does accept privacy.com cards. However, I think we can all agree that like any form of verification, now you're adding another link to the chain. And if you mess up that link, you mess up your anonymity. So intentionally or otherwise, I think they're being a little bit misleading by like offering this anonymous signup option, but it's not really totally anonymous. It's, I don't know, it's a little tricky. If any members of the Proton team happen to be watching this, we applaud this move. It's a good step in the right direction, but I think we're both in agreement that you need to do more. You need to fix this. We totally understand that you're trying to combat fraud and especially being like the biggest encrypted email provider, you attract a lot of fraudsters, but you know, if you're really trying to protect people's anonymity and their human rights on the internet, you can't have it both ways. You you need to find another way to fight fraud, and this is not it. Our next story comes from ProtonVPN, who now allows port forwarding, which is that's pretty much all there is to it. It's currently only available on Windows. It is available on all paid plans. They say this can be used for peer-to-peer, but they already have peer-to-peer servers. So I'm not sure what they mean by that. They also say it can speed up gaming. I don't do enough online gaming to know how. The one thing I do know is I do a lot of hosting from home and port forwarding is very essential to that. So maybe now this is an option for people who want to use Proton VPN but also want to self-host at home. And now you can use that to do so. so Either way, it's good. I'm sure someone out there has been waiting for this. They said a lot of people have been waiting for this, so here you go, it's starting to roll out.
1: Up next, the Volaphone 22 runs Ubuntu Touch or a privacy-focused Android fork, or both. The Volaphone 22 is a smartphone with 6.3-inch display, some processor, the specs aren't fantastic, but you know, it's a decent phone. And unlike many modern smartphones, it has a user-replaceable battery, a three and a half millimeter audio jack, and a micro SD card reader to throw us back to the good old days. It is compatible with Ubuntu Touch and Vala OS and can dual boot. Uh, we didn't find any details on Vala OS and what it really means. It's just another open source AOSP ROM and it comes de googled. However, it's based on Android 9, so we can already probably tell it's probably not going to stack up to more of the privacy and security oriented ROMs um, that really emphasize that kind of stuff. But again, we, we have limited information on it, so don't take our word as gospel. And up next, Mastodon is on the Play Store. Mastodon is an open-source, federated version of Twitter, um, so that's really cool they're on the Play Store, and F-Droid is
0: coming soon. Our last Foss story comes from Pine64, who is now working on a project they're calling Pine Sound. The first thing that they want to release are wireless earbuds, and in the meantime, they... I don't think it's out yet, but I think it's coming soon. I could be wrong about that. They are releasing the developer board so that developers can start tinkering with it and help determine the direction of the project. They want this to be totally crowd-driven and basically respond to what people want. Yeah, I think that's really cool. FOSS hardware is always amazing. I'm very
1: opposed to the idea of wireless earbuds, but with the Pixel 6a, which is probably gonna be my next phone, not having um, a headphone jack, I might have to finally hop on the Bluetooth earbuds
0: train, and this might be like a project I would consider. I will definitely consider it, especially because pine stuff is usually very reasonably priced. And like, depending on what you get, like admittedly the pine phone, I think isn't really ready for most people, but like my pine Time is amazing and I love it and I use it all the time. So, I mean, it, it varies on what you need, need it to do, but it's all reasonably priced. Something simple like earbuds, like you can't mess that up. Yeah, and they've they've already said it's going to have multiple microphones, so it'll probably have like, uh, like noise cancellation and stuff. Like, yeah, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be great. Up next, we are going to move into our
1: misfits category, our last category of the week. So hackers steal $655,000 after picking MetaMask Seed from iCloud backups. So this one got a lot of feedback on our pages this week. Basically, it's just a good reminder to be careful where you back your stuff up because iCloud is not end to end encrypted. This is the biggest issue with Apple. And like, honestly, 90% of people's issues with Apple revolve around iCloud. So if you're avoiding iCloud and iCloud backups, you're already better than most people in the Apple ecosystem.
0: Our next story comes from Lenovo, whose UEFI firmware driver bug affects over a hundred laptop models, which I think the article said translates to like millions of users. This consists of three vulnerabilities discovered by ESET researchers and responsibly disclosed to Lenovo back in October. If I understood the page correctly, it has been patched and the article has a link to Lenovo site with instructions on how to patch it. And also you can search and see if your model is affected. So if you're a Lenovo user, be sure to go check that out and see if you need to run an update and you know, keep your firmware updated, man. It's really important. And with that, we're going to leave you with a final fun note. California law requires a data broker to register with the attorney general on its website that is accessible to the public. So the final thing we're leaving you with, uh, again, this is just a for fun thing, is the California Data Broker Registry. And there are so many. Each page, I think, has like 25 entries. And there's like, oh, my God, there's so many pages. I think there's like 50 pages. It's obnoxious. But, yeah, I mean, feel free to peruse that. Maybe if you're looking for a specific company or if you really just want to go hardcore and see who's got your data, um, that's probably a good place to start. I just thought you guys might like that.
1: You know, I, I don't know what they're planning with this, but this gives me the energy of like, they want to get all the data brokers into place, and this might be a step in regulating them a little bit. We'll see what happens. I'm okay with that. Yeah, totally <laughs> okay. I'm telling you, I live in California, and I'm always very happy to see a lot of the privacy stuff that's passed here. Again, we can't guarantee it's what's happening, but that's my guess. It looks like they're moving towards regulating them.
0: All right, with that, we're going to move into our new section, our Q&A section. Again, a reminder, this is from our patrons who are paying $10 a month and they get to ask a question and we get to pick which questions we're gonna answer. And we're actually gonna answer a couple this week. First one we're gonna answer, it says, my Android phone is filled with unnecessary stock apps that just can't be deleted and I never use. How important is it to keep them updated? My opinion would be very important because if they're outdated, that is a vector for malware to exploit. So even if you're not gonna use them, if you can't get rid of them, I personally would still recommend keeping them updated and just trying not to use them.
1: Also congrats on the Fairphone 4. I'm sure you're enjoying that and it sounds like you're in a a place where you can reasonably get one, which I wish I could. Um, Next question is from Jay and they ask, what's the best privacy centered podcast app for iOS or Android? I personally only really use Android devices for stuff like this, and I can really recommend AntennaPod. Antenna it's on F-Droid, and it's very feature-filled and really great. So I don't really have an iOS recommendation, but that's an Android recommendation. One one extra thing to mention too, uh, we can see stats on where people listen to our podcast from, and AntennaPod is definitely like one of the most popular places that people listen to our podcast. So yeah, you'll be joining a lot of our listeners if you're on AntennaPod.
0: On iOS, I'm i am I'm a little bit of a heretic and I use Spotify, which I know is bad on so, so many levels. But uh, some people in my room have recommend, recommended Overcast for iOS. Apparently it collects, it still collects some data, but collects less than a lot of other podcatchers. Um, so maybe that could be a good one to look into. Next question is from
1: Arcadia, and the question is, what do you guys think about the Light Phone? And so, Nate, I don't think heard about this, but I've actually been, uh, my Pixel 3a is pretty much out of life pretty soon with security updates. And so I've really been exploring all the options. For those who don't know, the Light Phone is literally just a minimal phone with a black and white screen. And all it has is just text, calls, and I think you can load music, and you can add a couple more things to it, but it's extremely minimal. I think it's honestly great for someone who's a big minimalist, and I think that minimalism is great. However, the problem with the light phone is kind of the same problem with a lot of flip phones, which is it doesn't give many options for encrypted communication. You're kind of stuck with SMS and just generic phone calls. So so for me, signal is just a basic requirement for any phone I'm looking at, and the light phone doesn't give that to me, so I can't use the light phone, even though I really wish I could. It is worth mentioning that um, light phone on their FAQ actually does mention that they are at least thinking about maybe someday looking at options like WhatsApp, Telegram and Signal but it's not something that they even have a, a any kind of estimate on and they're not even promising it but they are aware that you know people want Signal support. So if Lightphone got Signal support I might be considering it.
0: And our final question this week We're actually not gonna answer, but several people asked us about our personal setups. First off, that is something we are willing to do like a longer thing for Patreon subscribers only if you guys want. But secondly, just to let you guys know, that's kind of a longer thing that would take longer to explain. And we're trying to keep these questions quick and short. So uh, yeah, just to let you guys know in the future, questions like the ones that have been asked are more likely to get answered on here. But also if you're a patron and you want us to talk about our personal setups, I think we're willing to do that to an extent. And uh, if more people express interest. And that was all the news for this report. Yeah, we got Brave and DuckDuckGo are both taking steps to make degoogling easy, even for people who don't know they're de-Googling, which is awesome. Beware of your microphone. It may be listening and submitting data. Google is being forced to change their cookie banner, which is amazing. We got all kinds of stuff going on this week that we'll keep you updated about. The uh, app tracking transparency stuff. We got research that we'll keep you updated on. Political stories, as always. There's just always a lot going on that we will do our best to keep you guys updated with our reminder, the best way to support us is Monero. It's totally anonymous. It's digital cash. But, uh, you know, again, some people aren't really into the cryptocurrency thing, in which case we do have Patreon where we are only two subscribers away from our first goal. So uh, again, if you're not a cryptocurrency fan, feel free to check that out. But if you are a cryptocurrency fan, we accept Monero and we totally stand by and recommend it. We want to thank you for listening to the Surveillance Report. We are happy to know that you are trying to stay safe out there. Final thing we want to ask of you, share the podcast around. Send it to all your friends and family. If there's a story that they might be interested in this week, go ahead and let them know. Make sure that you are subscribed. Give us a rating if you're on a platform where that is an option. We are trying to reach as many people as possible, and you can help us do that. Every interaction lets the algorithms know that people like this content and recommends it to other people. So thank you guys again for listening, and we will see you next week.